Welcome to Season 2 of Grain IQ. I'm your host, Chad Moyer. Grain marketing is a critical piece in keeping your operation profitable, and in Season 1 of Grain IQ, we covered the basics of grain marketing. Season 2 dives a little deeper into these grain marketing concepts that we covered in Season 1, so if you haven't listened to that, we invite you to start there. This is Part 2 of our topic on puts and calls. In part one, we learned the basics of trading puts and calls. Now today in part two, we'll kind of put the rubber to the road and work through some of the math when it comes to options trading. Doug Simon joins us for today's conversation. Doug is a commodity consultant with TradeHoss in Lincoln. Well, I think we've talked about the theory of the options uh, to the point where we've got it defined. At least we have an idea of what they are and, and how they work. I think this is the point now where the the rubber meets the road. So let's do some math problems. Let's do some um, let's do some examples of how producers can utilize an option and how it protects them. Again, we're going to come at this from a farmer perspective, producing a crop producing a commodity and then using options in their risk management plan. So with that in mind, take us through a scenario um, where we would be marketing grain in the, in the fall. How would you use options and how would that look? Right. So if it's, you want to start with the example, say the puts, if you're doing that maybe in the springtime and where again you'd be looking at say if you're going to raise a hundred thousand bushels of corn and you're trying to protect 70 percent of it we would probably look at buying puts in kind of that you know february's time slot we tend to like to buy them whenever there's strength in the futures market within those incremental time frames so maybe we're going to look at buying some in february march april may june so you've got five slots that you're going to buy in there on so if you look at over seventy thousand bushels you know you might say okay i need to buy 15,000 bushels of puts each month. So if corn price was at $5, you know, back in February, you could look at buying a, you know, a $5 put, or maybe you've got to buy something that's slightly out of the money, maybe a 490, 480. But again, the you're going to be looking at holding that, you know, into the fall. So the question is what you do, this going to open another can of worms, whether you're going to use the December futures or you're going to use some of the short dated options. You can use now what they call short dated options versus the December futures. The December ones expire in November, but they have now they've come out with ones that give you expiration basically every month, March, April, May, June, July, you know, mm -hmm. August, September, that allow you to not spend as much time value on them, but you can still put a floor underneath them. Mm -hmm. And so we've been, we do definitely use those options. So in February, we might buy some against the May, mm -hmm. but you would pick, you know, a, a, one of those things is going to expire. So, and you might, that's where you, you can buy those puts in there to put a floor underneath it, but you might do them like in strengthen the market in February, you know, whenever there's, because the markets never go up and, you know, straight up and down, you know, they're, they're kind there's of, a trend. There's, there, there's, there might be trends like this year we trended higher, but there's ebbs and flows in the market. So whenever there's strength, we tend to try to, you know, either hedge or buy those puts. Mm -hmm. So you'd be looking at that. So that $5 strike, for example, you know, going all the way out to December, I can't remember what those things were worth last um February, but they might have cost twenty cents at that point in February. The volatility was still pretty low. Yeah, but so it basically allow you to put a floor underneath it. So if the market went back to four dollars, you know that put should have been worth from five to four should have been worth a dollar, and you spent twenty cents on it, so you had a net gain of eighty cents on it. Now in this case, this year the market went from five, like the February price average for crop insurance was five ninety. So instead of being at you know 
five. It went to five ninety. So there, your twenty cent option would have expired worthless. And then you know we would have been at say at five ninety now. But you would have participated would have in been, the market up here, right? So you yeah. so you could have turned around at that point. So say if you'd done it against the May short dated options, you know, and that so February we're at five ninety average price, and then into March and May we went you know into the six seven dollar realm. So in that case, instead of having hedged at five bucks and you bought the five dollar put, you would have been able to trade into that higher market. Say if it went to six fifty for example, and your option had expired in May, then you could have let that thing expire. You could have went into the futures market and sold 650 corn. Mm -hmm. So you would have locked in 650 and taken the 20 cent loss in your option, you would have had 630. So 630 is highly, much more preferable from a net margin standpoint or a net mm -hmm. gain on my, you know, versus the $5. So that's where you're able to trade into a higher, and this is a perfect example this year with the uncertainty with the war and with, Kind of looking at La Nina, what's the, what, you know what's going on in South America to put a floor underneath it to be able to see if we could get an opportunity to sell into a higher market. And so this year, put options work you know mm -hmm. really well in that in that sense. So the the options have a place absolutely either either way. You know if, if the market ends up going higher through right. the year or if it more often like it like a seasonal pattern would tell you it it goes lower. Right, an option is protecting you either way. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It gives you. a, a a, you know, some flexibility, as I was saying, as you kind of peel this back and try to figure out what you're going to do, it, it allows you to kind of slow down the market, but also gives you the, that flexibility in the event that things, 75% yeah, of the time we tend to go down, but there's 25% of the time we do go up, and it's because usually there's drought or there's some type mm -hmm. of, you know, like situation that went on this year that drove markets higher. Yeah. You can't predict what those things are going to do. Do you have to have a futures position in order to use an option as a marketing tool? You do not. You you can use options independently. You know, futures trade independently, options trade independently. So so if somebody doesn't like margin calls, for example, if they, you know, if you hedge and they're afraid of, you know, the board going from five to six dollars and having a margin call, we can talk more about crafting a marketing plan. Why well, I don't think that's a big problem, but um, you know, but having that, you can trade that option. Or say if you'd gone out and done a cash contract back, let's use that $5 price, for example, that we used. Maybe did cash sales. Maybe did a, you wanted to deliver wet corn to a feedlot. And you knew you had to go in that time slot. There's mm -hmm. no debate about it. I want to take wet corn in there. I sold $5 corn. But if I wanted to buy a, you could buy that call option to go with your cash sale that you made. So you didn't, you made a futures decision because you sold cash. But you know that was it wasn't in your futures account it was with somebody else but you could buy that call option to go with your futures decision that you made through a cash sale to leave that open in case something changed like it did this year with weather and and the war to be able to trade into a higher market mm -hmm. so if say we sold that cash corn to the feedlot at five bucks bought that five dollar call say we did it against the may short dated future you know options so maybe I bought a 550 call and then the market went to $6. So say if I spent 20 cents on that call and market goes from five to, you know, say 650 and I bought that 550 call, which is a little bit out of the money or would have been 50 cents out of the money, mm -hmm. bought it for 20 cents. I would have had a, you know, basically a 550 to 650. I would have had a dollar gain in the futures or through, through the option, excuse me. And so I spent 20 cents. So my net cost was 80 in that case. So then my cash selling price was five bucks. 
and then I take my option gain and I put the five plus the eighty and I enhance mm-hmm. my price to five eighty. It's not six fifty, but it you know, from that decision point, okay, what's my when I'm making those decisions back in the spring relative to what I bought my fertilizer, where's my margins for my farm? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, is is that five eighty is a good selling price? Yeah, it's a great price. You know, it's, that's where you have to have your mindset about what's a good price. But those, that's what an example where you could you wouldn't have to have a futures you, you wouldn't have to make a futures decision in your own account. You could you could do a cash sale and use the option to to enhance it. Now, this next question, this is going to be a little bit more advanced, and you and I had talked about this before, but there are strategies out there where you can use puts and calls together that give you a range where you could participate in the market, right? Right. Yeah, you're right. This is going to be more confusing. So if you buy a put, whenever I do something in a futures market, there's always a buyer and there's mm-hmm. always a seller. seller. Yep. So there's two people on that side of the transaction. So that's where it gets confusing. So say if I want to buy a call because I think it's going to go higher, somebody else is saying, well, I'm going to spend 50 cents for a soybean call, you know, to go higher. Somebody's saying, well, I don't think it's, I mean, I think, I think I can sell that premium and, and keep that for myself. So there's traders in there, market makers that are operating in there all day. And, and sometimes we'll go in and do that same thing where we'll perhaps, you know, buy a put and then put it together with the, you buy the put and like sell a call. So you would, um, so again, I want to keep this simple. It's like when we're, if I'm going to buy that $14 soybean call that I've been talking about, I can also go in and sell that $14. So if I, if I bought it for 50 cents and you sold it, you'd get to keep that 50 cents, but I would have the opportunity to buy it $14, but you would have the obligation to sell at $14. Not you wouldn't have even though when you sell an option, you don't have the opportunity or the flexibility. You have the obligation, mm-hmm. the commitment. If you sell at 14, you're going to sell $14 futures. You're still going to keep the 50 cents, but if the board goes to $15 as the seller, you're going to be you're going to keep your 50 cents. So now you're going to be short at 14, the market goes to 15. You've got a dollar loss in your, you're going to get an actual futures position. You're going to have a dollar loss. You're going to keep your 50 cents. You're going to about 50 cents. So from a farmer standpoint, if, like that example I gave you earlier where I bought maybe a $5 put, I could maybe put a $6 short call with it. So I'm buying the put to have the opportunity to be short at five or be able to sell at five. But if I sell a call, so whoever's buying a $6 call wants to be long at six or be able to have that opportunity to go from six to seven. But Mm -hmm. if I sell that $6 call, I'm going to be taking the other side of that. I'm going to have to sell futures at six bucks. Now, is that a bad idea? I think, you know, sometimes when when you buy those puts, you'll sell those calls above there to get the cost of buying that put down to Mm -hmm. reduce your net cost. So I might spend 20 cents on the $5 put. I might go sell it. $6 $6 call for a dime. So my net cost now of my $5 floor is 10 cents, which mm-hmm. is a lot cheaper than 20. But I would also have the obligation to sell corn at $6 if it goes up there. So you just have to make sure that you know, if you're going to do that, what portion are you protecting on this side, but what other portion might be vulnerable Absolutely. if, if you get to the top Absolutely. And, and you're a forced seller. So that's yeah. where your mindset and thinking about any future strategies or option strategies come into place is like, 
what are the consequences of what you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I think in terms of risk management and crafting a marketing plan is like you have to understand if you're going to use options or if you're going to use over-the-counter transactions from elevators or any of these different things, but what are the consequences of what are you doing? And we spend so much time trying to help people think about those things. There's So you if you're going to go and buy that put and sell the call, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You have to really understand that you're going to be short at $6. So if it goes from 6 to 7 like it did this year, you would have, yeah, you went way above your $5 floor, but you're now mm-hmm. selling $6 corn. You could be hedged there, which if that was your first sale this year at 6 bucks, that's a whale of a price. And if mm-hmm. you were able to keep selling into the 6 and 7 and 750 market, and that happened this year, um, whether you're using options or using futures, you could come up with a much higher average price. I think the average price of corn between February and June was 680. Mm-hmm. So now we're at 6 five or six dollars on this day so we've we're running 80 cents below that seasonal average price that you could have sold basically february through june so if you got hit at six dollars and maybe you're crafting these and ladder they're used they're called a fence where you're buying a put selling a call but if you'd put those on at different times in february march april may and you were maybe selling six dollar puts and seven dollar calls and maybe you're buying 650 puts and 750 calls but you know, there was, if the, depending on where those expirations were, you might have been getting hedged at six, six fifty, you know, seven, seven fifty. Which, actually, now in hindsight, that was a beautiful marketing plan mm-hmm. because it gave you some flexibility to trade into those higher ranges. Yeah. So it, uh, so it's how you craft that and being so aware of that's where over time. I mean, I've been a broker for twenty two years and used futures for twelve years prior to that, and and people don't always understand the kind of the commitments or obligations of a futures, you know, or, and, but also those options when they're doing with it, you know, and so that's where people try to get the cost of those options down. So they go out and they sell options. You got to just be, you know, like I heard a strategy the other day where you're buying put and you're double selling calls. Well, oh what's God. that mean? So <laughs> yeah, how's that going to work? How's it going to work? You got to understand it. So. Yep. Yep. All right. So I, I think we've got to the point where, uh, you know, like we, we've got the basics, you know, I think we've, we've laid out what they are, how they work and things like that. As we wrap up, is there anything about options that we haven't covered that you think is important that a farmer understand about how it is part of a marketing plan? I think we've covered, uh, you know, the buying the put to protect your, you know, put a floor underneath it. And then mm-hmm. if we're going to hedge, you know, buying the calls to go with it to give you yeah. some flexibility to the upside. I think those are two strategies that are very, you know, very important. I think think when you craft that plan, you know, for dryland farmers, say in eastern Nebraska versus irrigated farmers, I mean, you've, where you've got more production risk um, as you go into, say, you know, western Iowa where you have more, like in this dryland areas, you have a lot more, yield variability. So I think, again, it's probably lean a little more making sure I've got optionality for somebody that has more variable production. I think that's key. You know, irrigated farmers, obviously this year we got really hit hard by hail, had really bad, you know, wind, but there tends to be more consistent production, but uh, using those options definitely, I think, are more important for people that have more variable production. I think they that that helps and using that in conjunction with your crop insurance. So I think that's when we talk about these things, a lot of the concepts I talked about seasonality and a lot of that stuff's based on the crop insurance theory at K-State mm-hmm. and stuff Bill Turney and 
um, Bob Wisner did where you know you have your springtime price in February and your fall time price in October. So there's a lot of a lot of these things are kind of fitting together how you craft mm-hmm. that marketing plan. So I think you know doing that is there's definitely a art to that and doing it in a way that kind of fits your operation. And in our group, we spend a lot of time want to know exactly what we're doing the year, what's, how that pencils out at the end of the year and keeping track mm-hmm. of like cash sales and using options. So I think that, again, how you put those things together. And that's where I think it helps to have somebody that's seasoned and having the experience of kind of dealing with a lot of different markets and how do you, what's the best option to use mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time and how it fits and, and what's it going to give you. Yep. So I think that's a critical. Okay. Doug, final question. When you when you peel back all of the layers, when you get down to the core of using options as a risk as part of your risk management plan, why is this important to farmers? I go out to farms and I talk to people and I tell them if I knew where the market was going to go, I wouldn't be sitting out here. I don't want to come out here and blow smoke and act like I can predict what the market's going to do because I don't think anyone can predict what the market's going to do. And so, by using options, it allows you to make a decision but also to come back and, and to say, okay, hey, there's things have changed a little bit and I can make some adjustments in my plan here. And I can still keep it with my same plan and not have to jump around a whole lot. So I'm not in and out of the market trading every day. You know, I'm not calling up people, oh, let's buy corn or let's sell corn. It, it's more about, okay, what's my, what's my long-term plan? We don't go out and change our, you know, row, you know, spacing every, you know, year and, you know, we, we, you know, we, we kind of have some things that we do year in and year out. So I think a marketing plan, you have a lot of consistency, but those options kind of help you, I would say, micromanage some of those market moves and mm-hmm. slow down the market and, and give us more, allows you to sleep straight at night. How do we follow along with what you guys are doing? And again, you know, kind of building this, these layers and putting it all together. How do we follow what trade, you guys are doing? TradeOS, you can find us at gotradeos.com on the World Wide Web. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, what a, I don't know if we do TikTok. I'm the old guy in the group. Um, Instagram, you know, Twitter. So, uh, Twitter. Yeah. So we try to post every morning a morning minute and we do kind of a outtake after USDA reports. So you can find us there. We send out uh, at the end of the week, we send out some commentary. Mm-hmm. We can send out to people if they kind of want to get a flavor of what we're up to. But you can go onto our website and see a lot of different testimonials. Our business, we work in Nebraska. Probably with probably about 70% of the people we work with, we work Western Iowa, a little bit in Kansas, South Dakota, but usually within about four or five hours, uh, Lincoln is where the bulk of the people. So we work, we trade a lot in this market. We do a lot of cash grain marketing. A lot of us have merchandising experience, worked on the in agribusiness. We've got farms and use crop insurance on our own farms. So we, we kind of eat our own cooking and, and craft this stuff for our own family. So we, um, we you, know, you can find us and learn a little bit more about us on there. And, because we live and work in this area, we can come out and see and sit on your farm and see what's going on. Absolutely. That's important. Again, joining us on today's program, Doug Simon, a commodity consultant with TradeHoss in Lincoln. Thanks for listening to Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain IQ is a production of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association with support from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Grain IQ is hosted by Chad Moyer and produced by Rebel Saklocha. It is written and edited by Alex Wojcicki. Our project manager is Bryce Duskett. You can listen to Grain IQ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or online at ruralradionetwork.com.